Hello and welcome to Bit Party Goes to the Movies, a Bit Party short where we watch contemporary films that are in theaters now. I'm your co-host Jared Cotta. And I'm your co-host Brendan Cotta. And this episode we have some extra special guest hosts. Do you two want to introduce yourselves? Yes. I'm Marshall Cotta. Bit Party favorite Marshall Cotta. <laughs> and I'm Landis Cotta. Deserter and known traitor <laughs> Landis Cotta back in his role in the in the fourth seat. Hi, big fan. Fourth chair. Hello. No, actually, thanks for joining us, Landis and uh, Brendan. Yes. Would you like to tell the audience what we watched for this episode? For this episode, we watched Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. We had the opportunity to see this movie uh, because of some close family friends. Thank you to Jason and Colleen Lawrence for inviting us to this special screening. We even got Star Wars cake, which was delicious. Uh, they do this for every installment of uh, Star Wars ever since, I think, The Phantom Menace. But I might wow, be really? misrepresenting them. I didn't know that. Anyways, hugely appreciative to, oh, yeah. to their invitation mm-hmm. and having the whole family up. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was the best way to see a movie this big. This is the last installment of the original saga of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a moment in movie history. I think yeah. we should all appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has been receiving rather mixed reviews. We're going to get into our own reviews in just a little bit, but it's certainly seeing some criticism oh, yeah. on... A uh, lot of criticism. What, what, are you, what are you seeing across the internet? What I'm seeing pretty regularly is, and I think this goes for a lot of big franchise movies, is critically panned audience pretty good. Okay. You know, for this one, it's got a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is above an 80%. They're enjoying it. Okay. You know, because they're not looking at it with the same critical eye. They just want to go to be entertained at the movies. Audience and critics have been pretty split on how they feel about this movie. And to be honest, so have the Cotta brothers. Definitely. <laughs> yes. think that that's going to lead to some, uh, some discussion, so I'm happy to uh, get into the ratings now. Mm-hmm. But first we should say this episode will have spoilers in it. So if you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, go check it out because it's a monumental part of movie history. And then come back and listen to this episode. Now, I want to hear some ratings, and then we're going to get into a little point-counterpoint, because uh, I want to show how wrong Brendan and Landis are. (laughs) (laughs) Marshall, would you like to rate the movie first? Yes, I gave this movie a rating of a solid 7. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's about on par with IMDb right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's good. Landis, what did you rate this movie? I gave it a 6.4, because I just thought the plot... Honestly, the plot throughout all of the last three movies, seven, eight, and nine, was just lacking. Okay. All right. Well, that, that, I thought it was very fair. underwhelming. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Brendan, what did you rate this movie? I gave this movie a six. Oh. Let me, let me just say, I understand the difficulties. This is a tough franchise to end. There's no way to meet the expectations that have been set really for this movie. Really high expectations. Absolutely. Like and I, I get it. It's very, very difficult. Okay. And I respect the effort that went into it, but there were components, a lot of components that I read as just bad storytelling that made it so I could not get invested in this movie, and so I had to rate it a little bit lower than I would have liked. Okay, I think that's fair. I am going to give it a rating of an 8. Wow. The way that I rate on this show, 
is based on my expectations. Okay. Whether or not my expectations came from the things that I was reading online or just what I felt was going to happen with a major franchise ending, especially after what we saw with like Game of Thrones or something, I thought it did better than that, and it did about as well as I could have hoped, and so I gave it a pretty good rating. Now, I, I, if anything, I would bring it down because the story is like so-so, and yeah, there's yeah. definitely some flaws in the in the overall narrative, like you're suggesting, but... I enjoyed the movie, and I guess that's what surprises me that you rated it so low, because we always talk about how if a movie can keep me engaged and it's fun along the way, then that's good enough. Absolutely. What knocked it down a lot for me was that I never felt that engaged. They had too many convenient outs to problems, which made it so no plot point that they threw at you was with you for more than a two or three minute span. I was very cognizant of the fact that I was watching a movie, and I don't want that. I want to be swept up in a Star Wars movie, and I could not have cared less about this story because of that. I think listening to both of you guys talk about like the expectations and how they went about filming it and the difficulties they had, I was just thinking they had a lot more difficulties than I kind of first thought with like the actors are getting really old, you know? Mm-hmm. They have to deal with that on top of everything else. Sure. They... Didn't stick with the same director for some reason throughout all three of the movies. That was a bad idea. In retrospect. In retrospect. Which I think led to a little bit of confusion, honestly. We'll, we'll get into my point about Ryan Johnson versus J.J. Abrams in, in just a little bit. But, Marshall, did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? I think all that I wanted to say was my, my rating was just based on my general enjoyment of the movie. Um, and to Brendan's point about the easy outs for uh, some of the problems for the characters, I actually rather enjoyed that. The issue was not that they found their way out. You mm-hmm. always knew they were going to find their way out. This is, yeah, a, sure. this is a hero's journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem was that they would be confronted with problems that would then disappear through convenient, out-of-nowhere means. Almost sheer luck. Right. Almost yeah, sheer, yeah. 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 As you yeah. Would, almost yeah. every case. That... So to get more specific, some things that I noticed were when Chewie was supposed to have died yeah. from that big force kind of face-off between Kylo Ren and Rey, it just turns out that he didn't, and there was another spaceship that he was on, as exactly. opposed to the one that blew up that was identical to it, that nobody really knew about. They were. It's like they were unable to draw out any tension. Mm-hmm. They were just like, now we're kind of sad. Right, but so literal Star Wars, scene. yeah, the next scene, Star Wars is kind of saying, oh, you think he's dead? Next scene, no, he's not. Oh, you think we're going to wipe C- C-3PO's memory? Oh, it's going to be back by the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they didn't even leave that up to, you know, any suspense. They said, like, oh, R2-D2 has your memory stored in his files. And that, to me, came across as bad storytelling. They could not let you feel any emotion for any given, like, extended amount of time. Mm-hmm kind of a sucker and I feel like I'm not alone here for like you know feel good stuff in movies like that so I think that that really helped me like really I I think it helped me enjoy the movie more when when stuff is going well for for the characters like that and I know that it's it's sometimes not always the best plot technique but I think for a lot of it it was just fun to watch there were these I can't remember what they call them, like... Deus Ex Machina. De- yeah. yeah, Deus Ex Machina. There was, like, a, a whole, like... There was a long, long list of that. <laughs> and a ton of plot armor and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, and I think that this is going to segue into my point about the directors. 
I agree with Marshall in that I didn't really mind them rushing through. Why is that? I want. I'm curious what part about that grabbed you. I, it, it's not that it grabbed me. In fact, it was it was just throwing as much as it could into to the fan base. And this is another thing that I talk about all the time, which is fan service. Sure. Sometimes a movie should be there for fan service. We we credit a lot of movies down because it doesn't know how to give back to its real fan base enough. Yeah. So this movie was. Almost to the point where it was choppy and like forced and rushed, mm-hmm. it was giving references to older Star Wars all the time, like nonstop fan service. I still think it was done in like a less endearing way. But that's the problem, and the problem was is because they they had to rush through this one because of the mistakes that Ryan Johnson made. Uh-huh. Because Ryan Johnson didn't move the saga along fast enough and with enough of the traditional Star Wars story mm. to make this one easier to tell. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll agree with that one. As someone who likes the Ryan Johnson movie, yeah. I do agree that by the end, they had accomplished maybe a fifth of what a normal Star Wars movie could mm-hmm. accomplish and of what they needed to progress this trilogy. You're talking about The Last Jedi. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it, but some big mistakes were made. Yeah, and so that's what I... like. almost felt like this was a video game. They progressed from level to level, and they'd have like a fight at the end, and it would be like a boss, and mm-hmm. then it would go to the, the next one, and it'd be the water level, and then they were in space, or yeah. it would be the yeah. desert level. And I didn't mind it so much because it was giving me all the fan service it could possibly provide. Sure, sure. L- let's go into that director thing, because that was something that kept bothering me, was that, okay, I get it. The Ryan Johnson one was not well-received, but I felt like they tried so hard to make up ground that they lost the story. And they didn't need to do that. Take the licks that you got, but at least give us something decent out of it. And don't spend so much time trying to move away from Ryan Johnson's uh, Last Jedi. Is it a fact that they had to make up ground? Like, was there a set storyline that they were supposed to follow for each of the movies that Ryan Johnson just didn't meet? I actually don't think... I don't know how there could be, because how could Disney let him stray that much? They needed to have this planned out beforehand. I think that sometimes what happens is they have a a beginning and a middle and an end, similar to how Bit Party works on its movies. Sure. So they say, you have to get to A to B. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In some parts... I think they give a little license. I'm saying this without any knowledge at all. Sure, yeah. But I just like you said, I simply cannot believe they would have written this for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. let him direct it and make, like, very little headway. But if you look at their other big franchise, The Avengers, Thanos has been in that since the beginning. I didn't get that feeling from Star Wars. I didn't feel like they had a clear trajectory from start to finish. They didn't even announce that Palpatine was even going to return in the movies until the opening scroll. I don't think they knew. Yeah, I don't either. One thing that I do know is a fact is that Disney really had to erase some of the things that Ryan Johnson did. Mm -hmm. Like, they, they purposely had to do that. One thing that I know that I actually really appreciated was like the redo of Kylo Ren's character. I agree 100%. Yeah, because he was like a sniveling coward, like little bitch in. The Last Jedi. He was a badly conceived villain. And I know that it was because Ryan Johnson wanted to give him, like, all these different layers. Yeah, yeah. But the the crazy thing is, is that he already had achieved this layered personality in the first one when mm-hmm. he kills Han Solo, when mm-hmm. he kills his father. Mm-hmm. And so now you're going to add this extra one where he's, like, conflicted and he's neither bad or good and he kills Snoke, yeah, but he yeah. can't hurt uh, Rey, and he's, like, this little whiny bitch. We didn't need another movie of him doing that. And then... 
Rise of Skywalker comes along and he is like the big bad. He is the big bad until he becomes the complete like opposite and he reverts back to Ben Solo. Mm -hmm. In the previous movies, I've been like, I'm not really into this guy. Yeah. In yeah. this movie, he was my favorite character. Interesting. Oh, that, that, that's totally fair. They did good things with him. Yeah. Yeah. I also like his storyline in that it's kind of, I won't say poetic, but it, the way he goes from Sith, totally dark side, pledged his allegiance to this long and hard struggle conversion to the light side or back to Ben Solo mm -hmm. is pretty reflective of Anakin's story. It is. It is a complete mm -hmm. reflection. Of yeah. It. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What bothered me the most about their divergence from Ryan Johnson, and I know this isn't a funny episode, I'm realizing now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to throw in this joke, baby. It's not, no, no, no. What bothered me the most was that the main point that I got from Ryan Johnson's movie was, in his head, the biggest complaint about The Force Awakens was, it's basically a retelling of the first trilogy. Uh -huh. Yeah. Ryan Johnson took that and said, okay, we're going to get rid of Snoke. We're going to get rid of your helmet that looks like Darth Vader, and Rey is a nobody. Get out of the shadow of the original trilogy. This is your movie. We have this young cast that has great chemistry. This is your time to shine. And because people didn't like it, they changed all of that. Rey is, like, connected to the original trilogy. Kylo Ren puts his mask back on, and I felt like... But you liked the eighth start you like the way that they did it in the second one i didn't he liked I, the fact right brendan likes the I, fact that they got rid of all i disagree things. yeah i, disagree I think ray was way better off as a connection to the original i characters. think if they had spent more time developing the characters instead of trying to make it like look this is great because this is its own trilogy let this be the movie for this younger cast but that's the problem is that it it was never that it was it always a finish, tie back. Right, it had to finish off the original story set by George Lucas. And it did. It had Kylo Ren in it. He's he's a connection. Leia's a connection. We didn't need Rey. Rey being a nobody was the biggest surprise of, of the Star Wars movies. Of the newer Star Wars that movies That was the so biggest far. disappointment of the Star Wars movies. You thought so? I think so. Because she was the main character. As the main character, you have to be connected to the Skywalkers. Yeah. Palpatine, at Kind of expect them to be a bigger, a bigger player. But this could have led to her having a role as the first powerful Jedi without that connection. Rey is a new thing entirely. They just stepped all over that with this movie. And that bothered me. I liked the way that Ryan Johnson handled that. Mm -hmm. You could feel them coming in and saying... That was a disaster. That's never going to happen again. We have full control over how this story is going to play out. Mm -hmm. This needs to be a mm -hmm. hero's journey, and it needs to be marketable. Because, even though I liked Kylo Ren not having the mask, they probably spent a good amount of market research on that mask. That's a <laughs> yeah. good, like, a good part mask. of this character. <laughs> you are putting the mask <laughs> back on. It's pretty dumb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if when Ryan Johnson said, we're getting rid of this whole thing, yeah. if the executives were like, God, I can't wait to fire you. They must have been... <laughs> I, as much as I like it, you're probably right. They were probably pissed with yeah. a lot of the things he was doing. Ryan Johnson had a hot take on the Star Wars saga for all the reasons that you've been mentioning. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to hot takes in the Kata Brothers... Landis has the fire takes. Possibly the hottest the of hottest takes. The hottest, hot as the surface of the sun take coming up I'm right not afraid now. to say it. I stand by my hot take. Go in, for it. I'll say it, and I'll say it with confidence. I like 
episodes one, two, and three. I like the trilogies made in the early 2000s. Okay, so I think seven, eight, and nine were better to watch. (laughs) I think they were definitely better to enjoy visually. I think the plot is a lot more solid in one, two, and three. Hmm. I'm having a hard time arguing with you, but it's it's a difficult comparison because going into one, two, and three, they already had a pretty finalized uh, endpoint. They already knew what was going to happen That's with Darth true. Vader. That's a good point. They knew he was going to be a pilot. They knew he was going to be a Jedi who turned into a Sith. So that definitely However, is a compelling story, but the writing was garbage. The writing was obviously garbage. The CGI was obviously garbage. It's horrible to watch. <laughs> but to understand like the politics, I just think it's really, really interesting to understand like the, the whole system of the Jedi Order. The Senate, how the Senate went from being a democracy to an empire. I think it's really well, you know, thought out. I'm going to make a point against you, Landis, that is in some way in agreement with you. Okay. Because the storyline, I agree with you, is better in that you get to see a lot more interesting things, maybe, than you even get to see in 789. Mm-hmm. Sure. The the Jedi Order, the, the Clone Wars is actually right. really interesting. So and That's here's, an excellent point. And here's why I can tell you that those movies are definitely worse. Because that plot is so good that they repeated it and went back to it for all the animated series and a lot of this other canon. Right. Because they knew it was really cool, uh-huh. but it had been fucked up so bad. <laughs> and they were like, God, it's so good, but we can just go back and retell this story and people uh-huh. will be engaged again because it's awesome. But it was done so poorly. I will also say that there's a factor of nostalgia in those movies, being that they came out around the time that I was growing up. So those were kind of my Star Wars movies. That's a good self awareness. So they yeah. they have. A, I mean, I watched them That's so fair. many times. <laughs> I used to watch episode two so much. <laughs> really, Landis yeah. is calling for a Jar Jar Binks uh, uh, series yeah, on Disney, yeah, Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think, Marsh? I really wish I could say, because I was just about to say that I really wish I had rewatched those episodes with Landis, because I have zero recollection of 1, 2, and 3. And I really wish that I had watched those before in anticipation of 9, uh, just to see how I felt about uh, yeah, sure. about yeah. these newer movies. I respect J.J. Abrams' ability to go forward with something. Mm-hmm. Um, almost into the unknown mm-hmm. without knowing what how it would be received or what was ahead of him. But I will grant you that there were some very interesting parts of the original trilogy. Like like we talked about, Darth Maul is probably one of the best villains. Yeah. One of the best yeah. Star Wars characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no comparison. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn are fantastic Jedis. Right. Great team. Easily. Uh-huh. But it's almost, it almost makes it more disappointing that it was dealt so, or that it was handled so uh, clumsily. I wonder, obviously after 1, 2, and 3, they kind of pushed George Lucas away, right? And kept him as an idea person and a figurehead, yeah? I don't yes. know how much involvement well, he, he had in 7, 8, and 9. He wasn't doing anything else until Disney bought them. Uh-huh. So they were just right. sitting on the franchise. I think that maybe some of the cartoons had been coming out and obviously video games, mm-hmm. but other than that, he yeah. wasn't really working on anything. When Disney bought it, they, they did... Took over? They took it to another degree of what they did with the original ones, like the far back original ones, where mm-hmm. George Lucas was a mind on it, mm-hmm. but he wasn't necessarily like the only one in charge. And yeah. that's the thing that Brendan always talks about 
about George Lucas and his involvement in the movies, right, Brent? Yes, yeah. In the first one, because he was a nothing, no-name director, he was challenged. In episode four through six, Uh less so in six, and you can definitely tell, he was challenged constantly by his team because he was an amateur storyteller and he had this great idea, Mm -hmm. but he had a very difficult time getting it across and seeing what audiences and knowing what audiences would like. In one, two, and three, you can see that people working with him saw him as this deity for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. He is Star Wars, when really that's not true. They never said no to him in the Phantom Menace series. Which was a mistake. Which was a mistake. mistake. You see how badly the storytelling suffers. And even though we're speaking badly about the storytelling in in The Rise of Skywalker... I would say that these movies, and especially things like Rogue One, mm-hmm. oh, prove yeah. that they're getting back towards the original Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. There's a really good, for any listeners who are interested, I think that Red Letter Media does a good coverage of this, where they break it down point by point and show George Lucas behind the scenes in the planning process of the prequel trilogy. But I do respect that Landis is able to pick out the good parts of the original prequel and find something good about the story. Because there are definitely redeemable parts. It's not just a pile of hot garbage. It's it's fine in a lot of places. I think it's a compelling story. It's it, that's And that's totally fair. That's a good way to close that. And, and also a good way to segue into uh, a number of other characters that graced <laughs> the screen in this uh, most recent Star Wars episode, Rise of Skywalker. There were a... a Ample supply. There was a lot of characters of in this. bit part. <laughs> uh, which was really opening the door for us to do our thing. Yeah, it was almost overwhelming. Halfway through, I was like, oh shit, I need to look for some of the <laughs> bit part characters and remember them. <laughs> All four of us back together. Very exciting. Landis, here's how you do a bit party. <laughs> Let me explain this to you. No, I'll explain for the audience. Yeah. Landis won it one time. He gets it. We get, he gets it. We're looking for the bit parts that stole our hearts. These are the characters that are on the side. They're not Kylo Ren or Rey or John Boyega. <laughs> <laughs> They're the other characters that are, you know, in there supporting these people. I would be curious to know, what are the bit parts that stole each of the Kata brothers' hearts? Bren, do you want to go first? I'll go first. I really like mine. This movie introduced the Knights of Ren. When we first meet Kylo Ren in Episode 7, we're told that not only is he this very powerful Sith, very in touch with the Force, but he's also the leader of the Knights of Ren. And we finally see who that is. They're a small group of black-clothed and masked assassins, it looks like, Mm -hmm. that uh, go around doing evil. They're like the ring wraiths. They're like the ring wraiths. That's the best. I didn't even think about that. That's what I could. That's all I could think about when I was seeing them. They're exactly like the ring wraiths. And when they're first introduced, one of the stormtroopers calls them ghouls. I thought they were really good villains. I, I didn't think they got enough screen time. Yeah. I would like a movie that centers around a young Force user, not yet a Jedi, figuring out their powers, that is being hunted by the Knights of Ren. Nice. Make them, give them more screen time, but make them this specter that's plaguing the protagonist. Because nice. I think they were really cool. I think they had a lot to offer. I like those too. That was awesome. Alright, who's next? I'll go next. The bit part that sold my heart 
was Maz Kanata. So Maz Kanata is, what, a smuggler's aide? She's very well connected in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and she is a supporter of the Rebels. Yes, Mm -hmm. very much so. Yeah. Uh, The... um... The resistance. The resistance. She's got little eyes. She's got the little eyes. She's the orange one with little eyes. And so my movie, um, and I wanted to kind of incorporate another bit part character if I could. No, it's not allowed. But I'm going to do it anyway. So (laughs) I want to do a a Maz Kanata origin story of uh, kind of her starting out as a smuggler. And I'd like to incorporate uh, the droid Dio. Who is almost like uh, it's it's almost like a, a Wally and uh, the the little bug kind of story, but instead it's Maz and Dio, and they're just you know going about their their smuggling. I think it would be cool to see Maz's interactions with Han Solo because she helped Han Solo like get his start. I like that would that. be cool. That Dio would be cool. can be there too. Is sure. this before Dio. Dio is in the service of the First Order? The fr- or or yeah. The Sith. Of the of the Sith, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I wasn't really sure exactly what I don't that know why he was, but I loved what the point of him. Was. He was a toy. <laughs> I, he was, I actually no, he, he was a he, cone on a wheel. Nothing wrong with an origin story on Bit Party Marsh. That's a good one. Landis, do you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, I'll go. Uh, let me tell you. Very excited. <laughs> let me tell you a little a little story. A little alien living on Kamiji. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? Is that you remember how they pronounce it in the movie? Uh, Kamiji. Yeah, Kamiji. Kamiji. Alright. <laughs> a little alien. A little droid smith living on Kamiji. No bigger no bigger than this microphone. No bigger than a forty ounce hydro flask. <laughs> it's a cool plug. <laughs> Doesn't speak a lot of English. This is all getting cut out. And his name is Babu Frick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's the one that, um, just a really talented droid smith uh, that works among the spice uh, runners on yep. Kamiji. Uh, he's the one that erased C-3PO's memory so that he could translate the message on the knife. On the Sith knife. On the Sith knife. Um, he was the best character. He's lovable. He he's great. great. Uh, I was sitting next to Jared at the movie, and we would laugh every time he did something silly. <laughs> he was awesome. He was he awesome. Was awesome. He was really um, okay, movie idea. In his own movie, he would go with Lando after everything has been resolved, after the war has been won, and assist him on adventures. Okay. That'd be cool. Good. I yeah. feel like that's a Disney Plus show waiting to happen. Definitely. Babu and Lando. <laughs> Babu Freight, yeah. Oh, man. Fixing Lando. droids. <laughs> frickin', frickin' Calrissian. Frickin' Calrissian. <laughs> it's delightful. My character, and the bit part that stole my heart, was Zori Bliss. That is the friend of Poe, who he's always trying to kiss. <laughs> Hot. <And> questionable. <laughs> for the modern era of cinema. And it seems like she may be another spice runner. Yeah. Uh, but she always wears a mask. And that has led me to believe that she may be a Mandalorian. Oh, interesting. And Mandalorians are great warriors. They're bounty hunters. And I think that I would like to see her progress into the Mandalorian storyline. And maybe she could find Baby Yoda. That would be a huge win for the internet culture. 
And, uh, yeah, so basically it's Zori Bliss, and uh, I'm saying that she is probably a Mandalorian. Nice. That's cool. That's cool. I like that. I don't know if the timelines line up, but I do really like her as a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I think that's very interesting. Thanks, man. Yeah. Everybody's was really good except for Landis's. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> In closing, I know that uh, this movie is chock full of like crazy freaking references. Anybody have anything that they wanted to tell the audience? One of the bittersweet things that I read was that this is John Williams' last Star Wars movie that he'll be scoring, mm. and he's had such a huge impact on the world and on the movies that I understand he's he's left an incredible mark. He needs to retire, step away, but uh, that'll be that'll be difficult seeing future Star Wars movies without an actual John Williams original score. Very nice. We might have disagreed on this film, but I'm really happy that it brought us all back together and we're able to uh, enjoy the end of this Star Wars saga as a brotherly unit. Anybody want to say anything uh, before we depart? Like what? Perhaps like you're sorry (laughs) for leaving the show? (laughs) No. I will say, even though I didn't like this movie, I still think you should see it. It's fun. It's Star Wars. And it's the end of an incredible achievement in film. Criticisms aside, definitely still go see Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker.